Hey, snowboard crossing. Huh? Oh, yeah, I saw that one. The podium team was watching the Paralympics broadcast. Snowboard racers competing in our producer's favorite events pan one by one on the screen as they wait for the start gate to drop. It's a chaotic format with gaps and banked turns that force competitors to choose aggressive lines. First and last place are interchangeable in a fraction of a second. I could totally do that if I tried. The small final race is going through the first roller section. Competitors know they haven't made the top four, but push hard to cement a final standing at these games. The red bib of the American rider is currently in last place. The lactic acid of pumping each contour beginning to burn. This race will be a fight. By the last jump, the red bib manages to land first. Fine. Who is that? Brittany Curry. I think that's Brittany Curry. Yeah. No, Team USA. I think that's Brittany Curry. Seventh overall. In the end, and in the beginning for that matter, fun stays at the center of sport. It was super fun, like passing someone over a jump and landing it and keeping my composure. Like, I, I mean, that, it's fun. From NBC Sports, this is The Podium a podcast about the 2022 Beijing Winter Paralympic Games. I'm your host, Mallory Whiteman, bringing to you stories of determination and perseverance, elite athletes that are carving what is possible on ice and snow for all. While Paralympians are well-versed in the realities of the human experience, they've also gained a new perspective that for most means not taking life too seriously. At the end of the day, the through line of adaptive sports seems to be how much athletes fiercely love their sport and just how much fun they are having, even at the most pressure-filled events like a Paralympic Games. Yeah, snowboarding is fun. Like, I love the competition but snowboarding for me is an escape and I believe it should be fun like if I'm not having fun I don't see what the point is you know it's a it's an amazing sport and yeah it's it's always fun so I just try to try to embody that in my riding you know try you know when I'm going over jumps it's it's liberating and it's an amazing feeling and so crossing the finish line on a global stage it's it's amazing. Brittany Goring was quick and now is real quick. Delighted. Yes. That is what it means to be at the Paralympics. My name is Brittany Corey. I'm on the US Paralympic snowboard team. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us today. One of the greatest things about watching you compete is that it's so clear how much fun you're having and that you fiercely love the sport of snowboarding. But snowboarding is really always been your passion and it's also how you came into the Paralympic movement. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I was about 17 and I had picked and pieced my snowboarding gear together And I ended up with a size eight boot and I took a really bad fall on ice and it tried to pull my foot out of the boot as I was going head over, head over feet down the mountain. And it 
it messed my ankle up and I didn't want to tell anybody, especially my parents, that I was injured. So I just had my friend take me to my room. I got x-rays and was told to follow up with an orthopedic surgeon and my parents just didn't take me. And so I counted down eight weeks until I could snowboard again. And that's what I did. And then I moved to the mountains and taught snowboarding for four years until my foot was so big, I could no longer fit it in a boot. And that's when I had my first surgery and they brought up Um, after that surgery that they wanted to fuse my ankle and for me that was a death sentence and so I found another way around getting my foot in the boot and had a boot fitter cut the liner out so that my ankle could actually fit in a boot and I went moved to Mammoth California and did 110 days on snow hitting 40 to 60 foot jumps and half pipe and boxes and rails until my foot was just completely trashed and I had eight ankle surgeries in a two and a half year span. So I was on crutches basically for almost three years. And I just felt like a caged animal and was looking for a way out of surgeries. And at that point I felt disabled. And so I started doing research on fusion and amputation. And I saw a guy on a downhill mountain bike with a prosthetics, just sending it. And I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to be active. And so I mean, the decision for me to to amputate was very easy. I was ready. And since amputation, you know, I say I'm, I was disabled during all of my surgeries and being on crutches for so long. And now I'm re-abled to do the things that I, that I loved doing before and trying new things. And it's just been an incredible journey from, you know, back in size eight boots, getting my foot ripped out to like wearing a size five boot and having the proper gear I never thought I could love snowboarding more than I did back when I was riding. And after amputation, having the proper equipment, I ride on a VersaFoot and it replicates an ankle pretty well. I've been able to really fall in love with a sport that I didn't think I could love at, like anymore. And it's been, it's just been an incredible journey. And a journey it's been, one that brings you to some pretty pressure-packed, high-stakes places on your board. Do you have to consciously remind yourself of this this love and, and bringing that fun into it? You know, say when it's a race that comes around once every four years? I think it comes naturally. You know, it's, I was told by one of my wax technicians, you know, the Paralympics is a World Cup with, with a parade, you know, and he's like, don't let all of that external stimulus uh, distract you from why you're here. And so I've taken that, you know, from Pyeongchang here, you know, it, it's just a, it's just another race. You know, the stakes are exactly the same. Stay on the board, stay upright, go as fast as you can and try to finish, you know, first, you know, try to cross that finish line first. And so I've kind of taken that moving forward and knowing that I've had the coaching up to this point that I'm, I'm able to do it. You know, it's, it's pretty liberating. And after your final race in, in Beijing, you, you vocalized that was fun. And we often don't hear that in such plain terms on the broadcast. Just having that be the initial knee-jerk reaction of an athlete coming through the finish. Is that how you approach racing all the time? I, I think it just came out because I came out of the start gate and I didn't get the best start. So I was in last place. And I ended up, you know, I didn't get the line I wanted in the first turn. So I took a different line and then I ended up passing a girl, a couple, and then the last girl over the jump. And then I was able to maintain 
my line going down the bottom of the course. And I mean, it was super fun, like passing someone over a jump and landing it and keeping my composure. Like, I, I mean, that, it's fun. Like, I, it's, so I think that was just the first thing that came out was just, wow, that was really, really fun. <laughs> it's fun to be four by four too, because it's, it's, it's showing our sport and what we're capable of doing. And yeah, it was just fun. There's been so much growth in Paralympic snowboarding over the past number of years, and and it's been fascinating to see. But, you know, one of the other things that I think is remarkable is your life outside of snowboarding. You've you've kind of said that you, you lead a double life on a single leg. What is that double life? So, yeah, my first life is uh, an athlete. I'm a, you know, I'm a professional snowboarder. And my other life is I work as a registered nurse. So... It's crazy how my life has gone full circle. A snowboarding injury caused me to have so many surgeries, which inspired me to want to become a nurse. And nursing is what allows me to snowboard. So it's kind of cool that my wife is, it's, I'm so blessed because I love nursing just as much as I love snowboarding. So I don't see either one of them as work. I just see it as something I'm able and blessed to be able to do. And what a gift that is to be able to do what you love and not only have one passion that you found, but two. You know, some see challenges as blessings, which in that case, you've been served a healthy portion in the four years since your silver in Pyeongchang. Tell us a little bit about what the journey's been to get to these games. Yeah, the past the past four years have been pretty challenging for me when it comes to trying to keep my body intact. I fractured my spine twice. I tore both labrums in my legs twice, uh, fractured my pelvis. During the training run here at the games, I ended up getting an AC injury in my shoulder and some neck problems. But, you know, it seems like injury doesn't keep me off snow. You know, that passion for sport, for me, it just, it overcomes any any obstacle that's in the way. The Just the feeling of being on snow. Is, is incredible. So <laughs> yeah. And then that, you know, the other obstacle as a nurse has been COVID working on the floor, working in the COVID tents. And most recently I was on a palliative floor, which is end of life. And it just gives you a different perspective of, you know, how short life is and, you know, carpe diem, you know, live, live each day, like it's your last and try Like for me, it's just trying to contribute to something that's going to be there far past when I'm gone. And so it just, just the value of, of human life has changed. And I think with COVID for me, I know, you know, there's a lot of segregation and there's a lot of just conflict in the world. And with COVID, it's like, we all suffered across the world and it made me realize we're all humans and I'm a human taking care of humans. And it just changed my perspective and makes me want to live and cherish the moments that I have even more. And Brittany, it, it's fascinating because, you know, we, we talked to so many athletes about what was it like to train through a pandemic and prepare for a Paralympic Games, but you weren't just training through a pandemic. You were working as a frontline healthcare worker, a nurse, through a pandemic and, and caring for for our society during that time in a time of so much uncertainty and that in itself is is just remarkable. And then to see the light that you bring to the field of play in snowboarding, you know, I wonder as you as you look at that fun aspect that we've been talking about, 
you know, do you think that bringing that element in is important, especially as we try to get more athletes into adaptive sports? You know, we, we kind of talk about after an injury, as individuals come into the disability community, it feels like we're all kind of wrapped in bubble wrap, like we can't be touched and and we need to be protected like a little porcelain doll. But the reality is, is sometimes bringing that element in and knowing that there's life on the other side and you can have fun after an injury and you can have fun as an individual with a disability, like that has to play into how we get more athletes involved in sports. What do you think? I mean, I think it's, it's challenging. Like it's not, it's not as easy as an amputee as it was before, but I think it, like I embrace the challenge and I enjoy the challenge. I'm a very stubborn person. And so I can out stubborn, I can out stubborn the obstacle or the challenge. And I don't like people to to put their limitations or define what I'm able to do as an adaptive athlete. I like to set that limitation. And for me, like my big mantra is if you, if you never try it, then you're never going to be able to do it. But if you try it and you don't like it, like, that's okay. It's okay to walk away from it, but get out there and give it a whirl, you know? And like the adaptive community is, is so small, but it's so big at the same time. So anybody that's trying to get into a new sport or trying to like biking, for instance, is pretty difficult because your foot falls off the pedal and it's very frustrating but I worked with my prosthetist and we encased a magnet in my pedal and then put a steel plate on the bottom of a shoe. So then I, it's almost like a clip in shoe. So it holds me to the bike, but allows me to pedal. So I think, you know, just utilizing that community of adaptive people that are out there is crucial for, for anybody trying a new sport because there are workarounds, there are ways to make it easier. And there's people out there that are willing to help anybody get into sport and be successful and to have fun. You know, if it's not fun, don't do it. Like for me, like that's my motto. Like if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. So I just try to try to embody that in my writing, you know, try, you know, when I'm going over jumps, it's, it's liberating and it's an amazing feeling. And so crossing the finish line on a global stage, it's, it's amazing. What do you want people to see when they see you going over a jump and coming in and crossing the finish line? I mean, I want them to see somebody that sets their own limitations and wants to bring other people up to her level. You know, like for me, I'm, as I transition out of sport, I want to bring up more women in the sport. You know, that's been my main goal over the last four years since Pyeongchang is just getting more involved and getting more people stoked about snowboarding. And so, you know, I tell my nieces and nephews, you know, a medal people aren't going to remember. It's what they're going to say at your funeral. And so hopefully when people come to my funeral, they would have something positive to say or a moment or something where I tried to lift them up or get their spirits up. Because, I mean, as a competitor, it's it's difficult. It's hard when you have a bad day. And it's like for me, it's even harder to see other people who didn't get the finish that they wanted, you know, being disappointed in themselves at the bottom. And so for me, I like to reach out and be like, hey today wasn't your day, but look at what you've done over the past two years. Look what you've done over the past four years. And so I think it's just trying to elevate everybody and like, keep, keep it fun. You know, like if you're having fun, you're going to do well. If you're so focused on that result, then when you don't get that result, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're focused on being in the moment and just like 
like for me, I get to snowboard. Like, <laughs> like how cool is that, that I get to snowboard on so far five different continents. It's just amazing. Our next voice also verbalizes just how much fun sport is. It's one we'd be well served to keep in mind as we witness the last competitors of these 2022 Beijing Winter Paralympic Games either make the podium or come agonizingly close. And the motto is? Uh, It's no bad days. Um, I don't exactly know where I came up with it, (laughs) but I think my my parents and I kind of came up with it at some point when I started playing hockey and was skiing. And uh, it's kind of just a little reminder to myself that even when there aren't great days, like maybe for today as an example, we had a pretty rough day on the snow, but at the end of the day, you got to look at the bright side of things and just try to enjoy those parts of the days too. My name is Lyra Doderline. I'm from the United States, and I compete in the sport of paranordic skiing and biathlon. No bad days. That certainly is a motto to have and a perspective to be gained by so many people. Lara, thank you so much for joining us. This is your first Paralympic Games. How do you remind yourself of this, especially in moments that, you know, bring an element of pressure to them? Uh, it's it's more of a self-conscious thing, I feel like. Just I'm always kind of trying to be optimistic just because it, it kind of gives me that room to grow within myself. And I think rather than like focusing on the negatives, like being optimistic and positive just just helped me enjoy life a lot more. So it's not necessarily something I say out loud, but just sometimes when I'm down, I'm just like, oh, I got to realize like, hey, maybe for here exam- as an example, like, hey, I'm a- I had a rough day on the course, but I'm still here at the Paralympics. So, yeah. And you certainly are. And what a perspective to have. I mean, as your first Paralympic Games, regardless of what happens on the course, you will fly home to the States a Paralympian. I mean, describe your experience here. Uh, it's been a pretty crazy experience, a lot busier than I expected, but a lot more, a lot more going on, obviously. And I think just the experience that I've had here and the lessons with my teammates that I've had the opportunity to have has been really good for me as a young athlete. So it's just been a really fun experience. My first games only being 18, I have a lot more to learn and a lot more room to grow. So I'm just excited. This This is just the beginning. And it's a big beginning. It's a Paralympic Games, which is quite a remarkable beginning in so many ways. But you also play a lot of other sports. Um, I would be really curious for you to to tell us a bit about some of the other adaptive sports that you've partaken in. Oh, all right. Uh, sled hockey, definitely a lot to think about at once. I mean, you're, it's not like regular hockey where you're just using one stick, but you have two sticks, and then you have the puck, uh, so a lot to work on. Um, And skiing, uh, it's not like alpine skiing. You're not just going downhill, but you're also climbing and going around corners. That can be tough. Uh, Surfing, I'd say scariest sport for me, uh, just because I'm kind of scared of the ocean, so it's a a big curve for me to get over. Uh, Sit-down volleyball, uh, really fun. It, but really hard for me to keep my butt on the ground. <laughs> it's, 
uh, what else? Uh, I've tried ping pong too. I don't know if that's as much adaptive for me, but really hard, really, really hard. <laughs> so you've tried all of these different sports, but how do you how do you pick the one that's the thing that you're going to put your energy into, you're going to hone into, and and you're going to kind of have that be your thing? Um, I mean, I feel like the biggest thing that draws my attention to a sport is the amount of growth that I have with like that opportunity to have within the sport. So like with hockey, I'm able to learn a lot of new techniques, learn how to be ambidextrous, learn how to shoot the puck. There's a lot to focus on. And with skiing too, I mean, I'm able to learn a lot about different techniques different races, different events. And so I think that's just the exciting part for me is being able to not just have to focus on one thing at a time, but try to challenge myself to focus on everything at once uh, and kind of dial in those little things one at a time. Uh, And I don't know if I've ever thrown away a sport, but I'd say uh, there's just always, there's been something about sled hockey and skiing that have just drawn me in. And I'd say it's those two. I mean, yeah, I'd never turn down a sport, I don't think. It's just more or less the, the excitement and the, the drive that it gives me. And to, to get involved in, in sports at the level that you're at, you had to make some some hard decisions as, as an adolescent. Can you tell us a bit about that journey to get to this point? Yeah, so I was born with a condition in both my legs and hips called arthrogryposis. And basically with that, it... it messed up the bone structure and the muscles in my legs and my hips even. Uh, And so from there, when I was born, I wasn't able to use my legs properly. And I used orthotics up until about the age of 14. And it was more of an ultimate decision for better mobility. Uh, I had had some surgeries in the past when I was younger to try to make walking just a bit easier to straighten my legs, just make things a bit more quote unquote normal. Uh, but after a while, it is, uh, we figured out that it wouldn't have been easier than said. Uh, so I, I, my family and I ultimately decided to amputate and that was more of a independence decision getting, I mean, obviously it was a, it was a hard decision, especially with the recovery and learning all these new things and relearning how to walk, really. But ultimately, it was was a decision to gain mobility and independence and just opportunity for the future. An opportunity for the future that brought you to your first Paralympic Games, which is absolutely remarkable. You know, we think of fun and how it can ultimately serve as a gateway to get more individuals involved in adaptive sports and in bringing that element of just lightheartedness to life again after going through these challenging times. But getting involved in sport isn't easy after, after an injury or with a disability at all times. And what do you think that first hurdle is? I mean, you've tried and excelled at so many sports, but I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. Uh, it's a lot of adaptations, I'd say. Uh, you kind of just have to be patient with the process and just accept the fact that, I mean, it's not going to be easy and there's things that you're going to have to work around, like equipment or just learning how to do something. Maybe if you're missing an arm, uh, you have to learn how to ski, for example, with one pole, maybe. And so just getting around those little, those little 
things that may come across as an issue, just taking the time and realizing, okay, I can still do this, but I just have to do it a different way. As we close our season of the podium, we can't think of a better way to do so. Having fun, engaging in sport, all while celebrating the Olympic and Paralympic movements, our own way. And as your host, I have so enjoyed bringing you some of the stories of these Paralympic Games to all of you. It has been a Games that have redefined the power of the human spirit, showcased unity, and changed perception of possibility. The Podium is produced by NBC Sports Audio in collaboration with Boombox Group. Executive producers are Gary Zinkel, Molly Solomon, Sam Flood, and TJ Walker. Coordinating producers are Rebecca Chapman, Dave Gable, and Eileen Sokol. Written, interviewed, and produced by Romain Lettuce Dompnier. Music supervising, sound editing, voice directing, and mixing by Jordan Weiberg. Producers are Wally Bruckner, Eric Hamilton, and Tess Quinlan. Our editorial researcher is Rachel Reberge. Special thanks to Joe Jeshu, Ron Vaccaro, Gio Carapetian, Lewis Clark, Jake Gellerman, Justin Karp, and Rich Zuckerman. And I'm your host, Mallory Wegman. Follow the podium now wherever you listen to get automatic downloads. 